Welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor. Calming the Chaos provides self-help resources for people in crisis. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. Thanks for tuning in. And now, let the chaos begin. Can you believe that I've been doing podcasting since 2019, and now it's 2023, and I've never once done a show specifically talking about sex? Well, that is until today. And I'll be talking with Jack Kammer, who is a self-proclaimed masculinist and has authored a variety of different books about male gender and sexual issues and how they connect to some of America's social problems. He used to have a radio show that talked about this subject. And this is the book that I have gotten from Jack Kammer. And it's called Goodwill Toward Men, where he interviews a variety of feminists. And they all come to the table and start to talk about America's social problems, sex, gender, and balance of power between the sexes. So today we're not only going to talk about sex, but about male sexual expression specifically. And if you don't know what that is, don't worry, we'll explain it to you. Just give Jack a chance here, okay? I think his message is important and inspiring, and we should all hear it. So now let's cut to the interview. So here we are with Jack Hammer. I'm going to welcome him now. Welcome, Jack, to Calming the Chaos podcast. Hello, Tracy. Thank you for having me. So if we're going to be talking about sex and the male experience of sexuality, um, what's relevant to me is that I'm, I think that I think the right term is I'm cisgender. Um, was born a straight white male. I've always felt like a straight white male. Um, am married. Did not get married until I was 62 to a woman I did not meet until I was 60. We're still happily married. Um, and, you know, I was, I'm fairly sexually experienced. Um, you know, I'm no stud, but, you know, I'm, I met my wife when I was 60. So I had, you know, maybe... 30, 40 years of, 45 years of sexual experience out there in the, in the wilds of male-female relationships. I started the radio show in 1983 because it, it occurred to me that the male point of view on male-female relationships was not very well discussed, not very well understood, perhaps not very well articulated. So, you know, that's the role I have here. I'm a fellow who's who's got some experience in talking about issues that we don't talk about much. And I often hear, and I like to hear people say, hmm, I never thought of it like that. Mm -hmm. You know, not that I'm necessarily right, but hmm, yeah, that's plausible. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. So that's who I am and that's what I like to try to do. Right. Well, and you, you have written your, your books. Uh, I've got your book, uh, Goodwill Toward Men, and I've been uh, reading it and I read through it. 
And so this book in particular has an interesting history. Uh, I don't know if you want to go into that, uh, but it is women that you are talking to and interviewing who are feminists. And you were talking about these issues between uh, the sexes here. And for purposes of, of this podcast, we're, uh, we are not experts on non-binary. So we are going to be talking about um, the binary male and female, just so that everybody is on the right page or on the, the right page that we are on. Um, but uh, certainly there is room for talking about uh, uh, other non-binary issues, uh, but that's not in this podcast. Well, I don't know, maybe we should start with the definition of male sexual expression um, and where we got it from. I'm happy to, to jump right in with, with what uh, was it chat GPT was the AI engine you used. I thought it was a pretty interesting uh, definition. So let's, let's, let's start there. Yeah, I know. Good old chat GPT. And it's interesting because people do have to disclose that these days. Oh, I got this from chat GPT. And um, so here is the definition that chat GPT came up with male sexual expression, which is the various ways in which individuals who identify as male express their sexuality, desires, and preferences in a manner that is authentic to them. It includes communication, consent, self-discovery, and the ability to express one's desires and boundaries in a healthy and respectful manner. And I sought the source right there. So there it is. Yeah. So how do we even open up this discussion, Jack? I think it's probably helpful to talk about the ways in which ChatGPT sort of is um, out there scraping web pages. And it comes up with a pretty vanilla, uh, somewhat authoritative, I guess, because it finds these ideas all over the place, uh, a pretty vanilla definition of male sexual expression. I think that in reality, in the reality of a lot of people's lives, uh, it's, it's more complicated than, than Male sexual expression is the way male ex males express their sexuality. Well, it's very complicated the way men and boys are allowed to express their sexuality. Hmm. Um, I would say that when it comes to sex, men and boys are the suspect class. We there are many, many, many stereotypes about men and sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we always want it. Always want to have sex. So we assume that, right? These assumptions. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Always want to have sex. Uh, that uh, here's an, an example. If if a woman strays from her committed relationship with uh, uh, paramour, with a man, not her her significant other, uh, the explanation in society is that well, she was she was looking for love and she wasn't getting it from her her significant other. When a man um, does the same thing, strays from his committed relationship, well, the explanation is, well, he's just a horny bastard. He wants, he wants something different. Yeah, <laughs> he wants well, something it's, younger. It's, it's because, yeah, that's a, that's a perfect uh, stereotype right there. He's chasing, mm -hmm. his, he's chasing his secretary in his red convertible. You know, right. that, all of that stuff. Um, and that comes up even when a, a teacher, a female teacher, 
is caught with a, one of her male students having sex with one of her male students. Well, the explanation is she was she was doing it for love. Now, males, a male teacher who has sex with his female student is, you know, a pervert. Bringing teachers into the mix. I hadn't really thought about that. I've been talking about this topic with my husband for the last couple of days, and teachers have not entered into the discussion. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, true. It's it's but, a it's yeah, it's an example of of the of the ways in which chat GPT doesn't give the complete picture. Here's another example of how of how male sexual expression is somewhat hampered. Um, and, and I hope we will talk today about about the ways in which women use sex as a source of power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that, that's fighting words right there. What do you mean? Women don't have any power, all, you know, all that craziness. Women certainly have sexual power. Um, and women will say that the, they they can dress any way they want, anytime they want, anywhere they want, because they're expressing their sexuality. Mm. Now, I don't know exactly what they're expressing about their sexuality, other than maybe I'm sexy. Hmm. Well, but if that's, they're expressing it, though, right? They're expressing if it. If that's the woman's expression of her sexuality, the man's expression of his sexuality in that context is not going to be uh, very well received because the man's expression of his sexuality in the presence of that woman who is expressing her sexuality by being sexy and putting on lots of makeup and thinking about how can I, how can I attract attention to myself sexually? Mm. If, the man, if the man or boy were to say, yeah, you are sexy and I would really like to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. That might not go over too well. Okay, so we're talking about clothing items and, and dressing, you know, in a way that possibly attracts somebody sexually. And I totally get that. So the first thing I thought of was, uh, and my husband and I talked about this the other day, is that whole movement called Free the Nip, right? They've got... They've got this free the nip thing. If you haven't heard of it, then research it, Google it. But um, these women are like, why should we keep our breasts in bras? We should free them and we should not have bras and we should, you know, uh, not be ashamed to let our nipples show and all this other stuff, which is, I, I don't know. I, I know many men who love that movement, but he, my, my husband said something about, well, if women can have free the nip, why can't men have free the tip? And uh, and I said, I first off, I was like amazed that he said that. And he said, yeah, if you could have nippage, we could have tippage. And I thought, but but if you freed the tip, then that would that would actually look like you know a crime. And 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 I thought about that, going like, yeah, it it is kind of a, it's a double standard i guess because if we if, even if they had like some some clothing on over the tip um, but they were freeing it uh then some women might say oh that is so offensive uh but apparently men just love it when women bear their nipples okay so that's the thought i had what are your thoughts well i think that's a very good thought I would say, in addition to that, it it depends. Like, where 
when, uh, with what um, ability of the, the man or boy to avoid it if he wishes, um, what's the intention, what is the expectation, um, and, you know, the expectation of male sexuality is that we love it all the time. Oh, show me as many boobies as you can show me. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm 72. And maybe I don't remember how much I liked it when I was 22. But if I remember correctly, 50 years ago, I didn't like it. 24-7, 365 all the time, anywhere, uh, it, it was, sometimes I felt a bit intrusive and even, even thoughtless and uncaring. And, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, the 19-year-old the teenage, the 19-year-old young man who's got a muscle car and he goes run, running up and down the street, <laughs> making a lot of noise and attracting attention to himself. It's kind of childish. It's kind of childish. It's kind of disruptive. It's kind of rude. Does he have a right to do it? Yeah, in most jurisdictions, unless there's a you know a very tight muffler rule. Yeah, he's got a right to do it. But you know, is it? And when it comes to sexuality, do we do we want to have do we want to have it on display? Uh, at 120 uh, decibels uh, all the time. My heart goes out to young men because there's a lot of young men who are really struggling with this whole sexual dynamic. You know, you got the incels on the one side, you got MGTOW people as well. You know about MGTOWs? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you got regular guys. And it's, um, it's, it's a very mixed... It's, it's a very mixed bag, yes, <laughs> and, and and we are not, we are not, uh, certainly not in control of the situation. I don't think that we should be in total control of the situation, but I think we should be able to establish boundaries. Mm -hmm. But it's very easy, and I think plausibly deniable. I don't think it's genuinely deniable, but it's plausibly deniable that women can say, "Oh, I'm not doing anything," you know right after they spent two hours in front of their mirror and and reading Cosmopolitan about how to be as sexy as possible. You know, it's it's commonly joked about men how many times a day we think about sex. I mean, I think there have even been studies about that. The average young man thinks of sex, I don't know, some ridiculously high number of times a day. What they I told us in, in, in counseling school, they said that um, in any given um, moment, every 10 seconds, some man is thinking about sex. And I don't yeah, know how right. they did that research, but that's yeah, what we were yeah. told when we were in counseling school. What, what I'm looking forward to is the research that finds out for us how many times a day women think about being sexy. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's fair. It should be asked, but it's uh, you know you're being a very you're you're a good counselor. You're very open-minded. You're very non-judgmental. You're letting me say how I feel, but you know I can get into a big fight with a person who's less magnanimous than you. Have you saying these things? I, I you don't get into fights. You just get you know 
pushed away, mm. eye rolls, a dis- an aspersion cast at you. I, I guess, is that the whole uh, reason for the table behind you there? Is that the, the seat at the table? Uh, I, of course, I misunderstood what the heck the table was, but that the women have the table and the men don't get invited to the table or that we aren't talking about these issues and uh, how it's uh, unbalanced. Is that, did I get that right? Yes, your second understanding is is right. The, the idea of this idea of a seat at the table for men and boys is that it is truly astounding in this day and age when we place as a society so much value on diversity, equity, inclusion, listening to our stakeholders, really talking to people and being open to listening to them and hearing how they feel so that we can all come together for the best possible win-win situation for everyone. It was rationalized that the reason we don't have to invite men and boys into these discussions is because they are the enemy. They are oppressors. But aren't we trying to attract them? Why would they be the enemy? We're trying to attract them. We spend hours in front of the mirror trying to get ourselves looking well so that we can attract them. Why would they be the enemies? Well, attracting someone doesn't necessarily mean they're not your enemy. You know, that's what traps are for, for one thing. Uh, Take a look at uh, fishing lures. A fishing lure, a shiny, bubbly thing on a hook. And then go to the jewelry store and take a look at how similar many earrings are to Mm. that fishing lure. You know, attracting a man doesn't mean you like him. Attracting him might mean you want to manipulate him. You want to get something out of him. You want to have him under your control. And it's... But it's at, at the table I'm talking about. It's not just in terms of sex. It's in terms of everything, you know, jobs, child money. custody, money, everything. We, do, we didn't have to invite men and boys to the table because they are our enemy. And you don't, you don't negotiate with your enemy. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is a very fundamental problem in what's going on between men and boys, uh, men and women these days mm-hmm. and boys and girls these days is that our point of view really has not been solicited. And the mm-hmm. reason it hasn't been solicited is because we're the enemy. And so, you know, right from the get-go, it's, it's a bad situation. If you were to speak about, you know, have the voice or the the platform or whatever for men and boys. Uh, What is your point of view about what's going on with women and men today? The the general, the overarching idea that I can express in, you know, probably under a minute is that um, in our primitive society, we, when we were a small band of hominids walking along the grasslands of the Serengeti, we were in very grave danger of of being extinguished by saber-toothed tigers and other dangerous things. And so it was necessary and right that we should specialize and optimize every bit of advantage we could for each other, so that women having the breasts and and the wombs, they took care of the kids. The men having larger muscles and supposedly better ideas about spatial relationship, you'll be the hunters. And so, you know, that was, we were off to the races after that. We specialized. 
There was a women's sphere and there was a men's sphere. But that was in very primitive days. We have established civilization where we are not so much in danger of being devoured by saber-toothed tigers. And so over the years, we have loosened up on those absolute black and white specializations. In the 60s, with the, with the advent of uh, modern day feminism, Betty Friedan's book in 63 really kicked it off. Uh, and it's a fabulous book. I recently reread it. She's brilliant. Um, women said, um, you know, this, this little role you got us in over here, it's got a lot of good things. And a lot of women really like it and would, would never choose to do anything else. But there's a lot of us who are going crazy being stuck in this little role. And so since the 60s, we've done a whole lot of work to open up just about everything to women and girls. Women and girls, women, girls can do and be anything. We have not yet done nearly as much for men and boys. And it is, in, in my view, and maybe this is only because you, you, you most care about what you don't have and you take for granted what you do have. In my view, the, the goodies, the wonderful things in the female domain are much more wonderful than the goodies in the male domain. Now, that's, that's an expression of me and my personality and my values. We all know that if, if you uh, are in the company of a little girl who's good at sports or a little girl who's good at math, you don't say, or it's wrong to say if you do say, gee, Susie, you're really good at sports for a girl, or gee, Susie, you're really good at math for a girl. We know that what that's really saying to this little girl is, Sports and math are not for you. It's not a girly thing. You want to be a you want to be a real girl and fit in well in this society. You you won't do that too much. What I used to hear as a little boy was, "Gee, Jack, you're really good with babies for a boy." And I think what that's about is saying to me and to any other man or boy who hears such a thing, that's our, that's our domain. That's women's domain. That's not for you. Now, my personality, my values make me want to be involved with kids and nurturing and parenting and generativity and emotions and expression and making people feel good and feel happy and confident and helping them grow up to be great citizens. That is what I want in my life. I don't really want to be competing and fighting all the time, every day for my living. And a lot of men, yeah, they want to fight and kick butt all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we call them alpha males, right? I want to be an alphabet male, not yeah. just an alpha male. I don't want to be on the top all the time. I don't want to be on the bottom either. I just sort of want to be in my own space and I want to have my own friends uh, 
as as I wish and as as the situation permits and makes makes favorable. I want to be an alphabet male. But the, the society generally values men who naturally are alpha males who want to compete and kick butt and make money and fight and win all the time, or men who really aren't that way naturally, but are willing to accede to it. And one of the main reasons they accede to it is because if they don't, they're never going to have any sex. Hmm. Well, so is that what's missing? You said something about um, the a lot of the development of, of feminism uh, included girls in everything, but then the boys and men were were not included in everything. Is that what you mean? That we don't expect men to be emotional creatures or nurturing creatures or all these so-called feminine traded sort of uh, features in in men, or we they won't get any sex? Well, I think that that is the dynamic that a lot of young boys and, and young men feel. Mm. I remember even back in, in my day, I remember women talking about my EP. You know what EP is? I can, I can, uh, I can guess. <laughs> Go ahead. What would you guess? <laughs> Erect penis? No. <laughs> that shows you where my mind's at. <laughs> well, we're talking about sex, no. so that's, that's emotional fair. something. No, earning oh potential. I'm failing earning, miserably. What did you say? Earning, earning potential. Oh, oh, I was way off. <laughs> hey, I thought we were talking about sex, not finances. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are talking about sex because for men and boys, sex and money are very closely intertwined very closely intertwined. I remember a woman that I was dating uh, probably in the late 80s. I mean, she told me flat out, you're the male. You're supposed to be making the money. I got the hell out of there. This is not for me. No. You're the female. You should be cooking me dinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. How would that have gone over, right? No, would it would. Yeah, exactly. It would not have gone over too well. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so this is the chaos that is with uh, trying to untangle these issues and many more about uh, how, I guess we're talking about male and female expression. When I say male and female, I usually uh, illustrate it as the left is, is, is the female and the right is the male. And yet you don't have to be both I mean, you don't have to be either or, or you can be both and. It can be a continuum to where I can be a badass in the yard and I can be really exhibiting my male qualities and I can like to wear skater skirts and high heels to work, you know, and that's really very feminine or the way that I do my makeup or my hair or, and then I can also survive uh, in, uh, in a, probably I would say an area forum where there's men, I can talk to them pretty well uh, and speak their language. So you, you uh, for what I see it as, uh, if you want my opinion, is that we do have male, masculine and feminine traits that all of us are unique and bring out. And it should be okay to be able to be a little bit more on the masculine side here and a little bit more on the fem feminine side there. What do you think about that idea? 
Well, I think you're exactly right, that women have a lot of latitude in their expressiveness. You think of, uh, you think of, I think the term would be non-gender conforming. Um, that, was, that wasn't a term I knew back in the day, but a, a girl who, you know, liked to catch frogs and, you know, climb over barbed wire fences and, you know, climb trees and... She like a tomboy, a tomboy, exactly. yeah. Which is, which is not a negative. Tom, yeah. Tomboys are cool. What's, so, what's, so, the, what's, the word, what's the word for a boy who expresses a similar interest in things that are typically regarded as girly? He's I don't want to say it, but you can say it. Well, he's a sissy. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a sissy. And I think um, the message to boys is... Or, or the rationale is the way the way the society has tried to get boys to go for this narrow restriction of their expressiveness is that well the girls are just being silly, but what you're going to do in your life is be important. Oh. But don't you think, oh. Jack, don't, don't you think that the that it, the message is being delivered from men? They're, they're, it's being delivered. That exact message is being delivered from fathers to sons, um, being a sissy, um, needing to do certain things that men do. This is what we learn from our fathers. And so, you know, you can't blame women for all of it. Well, I'm not blaming anybody for any of it. I certainly wouldn't blame fathers for it. What I see happening with that scenario you just painted about the father is that he is trying to say to his son, if you, wanna, if you want girls to like you, if you want to have a girlfriend, you can't be doing this stuff. You got to have some EP, boy. And that's and not erect penis either, apparently. No, and it's not erect penis. And... <laughs> So where is the origin of his thought about what his boy will need to grow up happy? It's what he learned from interacting with women, is what you're going to say, probably. Well, right? I want to say that women don't get completely off the hook. And it's not mm -hmm. all about the quote-unquote patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about the patriarchy as the male domain you know, a, a pyramid, perhaps. What I see as the female domain and the female power structure is a circle of women all holding hands, having their kids right with them, with a big red heart in the middle. And what part of what makes it possible for women to have close access to that big red heart is the sacrifices that men and boys will make for them so that they can do that. Mm. And it is to the advantage of women. Some women, it's not a big deal because they know they can take care of it themselves. But there are a lot of women who think, I don't really want to work. Or I do want to work, but I don't want to be stuck just having to work. If I don't like my job, I want to have the ability to quit. Uh, I want to have the ability to, you know, work while the 
kids are in school, but just a part-time job. There are many options that women have. Mm -hmm. And to a large degree, and I'm not talking about women who have fabulous careers and are making a bazillion dollars. I'm talking about the average woman. She wants her options. And she knows at some level that her expansive options at least partially depend on him being willing to make her options possible. Okay. And the message is very strongly, although not articulated, that men and boys are in some ways subservient, second class, not really important, um, and inferior. Hmm. And it's not, it's not a good place for men and boys to, hmm. to be. Well, you're kind of opening my eyes to this kind of stuff because it, it made me think back to the days when I was in uh, going to go to grad school. And I think the only way I would be able to go through grad school and have everything else that I wanted, the house and the cats and everything else and insurance benefits was to be able to have a husband who's able to provide. And that was completely true for me. Uh, so what, did I, did I take advantage of him or, or I, you know, I'm kind of trying to rethink this thing. And, and I even go back even further uh, to the, the fact that if I hadn't have, and this is kind of going into this, um, you know, how females and males express themselves sexually. If I had not on one fateful night when music was playing and the mood was right, kissed my to-be husband right on the lips without his permission, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be married to him today. And, and, and that makes me pause and think like, wow, how, how many assumptions that females make about what males would want at a given moment, just because I feel the, uh, you know, sort of, um, I'm caught up in the mood, you know, it, it, it is so ended up that he uh, was not um, unwelcoming to that. But what if he was? He could have been, yeah. Yeah. right? Well, so there you go. Yes. Let, let me say just a couple things about that. Um, my wife did exactly the same thing. <laughs> Good for her. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that. No, <laughs> that was, was, oh, my goodness. She might have violated was, you. It was fine. The, 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 the problem isn't with, you know, a woman wanting to kiss a man and actually doing it. I mean, suppose I, I really didn't like it. You know, it wouldn't be like I was horribly damaged and traumatized. It would be just like, oh, you know, that's not, not I'm not into that right now. So, you know, no big deal. Um, if, on the other hand, uh, she were to, um, uh, in some way, put, put me at risk of impregnating her against my wishes, that would be a bigger deal, right? right? Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to say about your situation is that your husband probably was perfectly happy to, to, to make that deal with you. It, although it sounds like you didn't actually talk about it. He <laughs> it was wasn't perfectly a deal. fine. <laughs> was I basically assaulted him. I mean, when you think about it, right? No, no, no. I, I mean about him having a job in which he provided oh. insurance for you. Oh, we've moved on to the graduate school. Yes. Yeah. yeah he, he was probably fine with that. He was, although he a lot of sacrifices were made in terms of how much time he could spend with me. Okay, and that's where we need to give men and boys a seat at the table.
How would you okay. like our relationship to be? What do you want in our relationship? What do you want in your life outside of our relationship? Hmm. We, we, aren't, we aren't at the table. And you know what they say about that? If you're not at the table, do you know that saying? No. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. You get carved up. You get carved up. Your food. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about all of the, that you've been saying and that seat at the table and how I misinterpreted it at first as being the males wanting the females to to um, at least engage them in conversation. But the table is the female table and the males wanting to possibly have a seat at the table. And um, all of these things started coming up for me as far as what I've done uh, with my female privilege, I guess, if you don't call it by anything else, or my female sexual power, uh, my female power in general, right? Um, and it's really caused me to sort of take a look at my own self and not to shame myself for the things that I've done, but m more to learn and go forward uh, in a manner that is more respectful and aware and mindful of uh, the needs of, of men and boys. And, and who could ask for anything more than what you just expressed your willingness to do. Yeah, willingness. What's, yeah. what's really infuriating for men and boys is when a person in your position completely denies any power, any influence, any self-interest, points all the time at the all-purpose, omnipotent, 24-7-365 uh, boogeyman, feminist boogeyman, the patriarchy. <clears throat> Don't talk to me about the power that I have. You're the patriarchy. And then, you know, they can also get nasty when they say, oh, what are you poor men crying about now? Let me get, let me get out my violin, my tiny violin for you. And then you see people saying things like, oh, I bathe in male tears. You know, really, just really mean and ugly stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. An attempt to shame men, to shut us up, and to kick us away from the table. Hmm. Get out of that chair. We don't want to hear from you. Wow. I mean, it seems pretty bad for you guys out there. I really feel awful for you. And I know it's not completely awful because when you think about it, I know we talked when we talked the first time about the glass ceiling and about the earning power of men versus women and how some of the statistics support that men make more money than women and they have more power than women, especially white men. And, you know, I guess if you think about it a little bit deeper, we all have our own personal power and we all use it or we abuse it in the ways that we can do what we want to do or the way we the ways in which we choose to use our power right so a yes. uh, straight cis white male such as yourself could choose to use your power in some ways and for myself as a straight white looking um cisgendered woman female could choose to use in another way so is the solution then jack i don't know even know if there's a solution here there's a lot of stuff is the solution being more mindful of our personal and sexual power and using it wisely and not to um, hurt ourselves, hurt somebody else, break the law, get arrested, whatever. Is that what it is? Is that we just need to be more mindful of our power and how we use it? Well, that would certainly be a good idea. There are probably many ways to get to the destination. 
the, the destination that I see or, or, or the route to the destination that I, I hope for is that um, women like you, open-minded, fair, balanced, respectful, um, friendly, um, don't tolerate what your sisters are doing. And that's why I should bring up why I, I challenged that definition of feminism you showed me before, I, I think before we started recording. I said, well, that's not the definition I would use. Yeah, this is not the definition I would use. Um, the definition I use for feminism now uh, is the dominant form of feminism, which is, in my view, the ugly form of feminism. The dominant strain of feminism now is men are the enemy. It's the patriarchy. We have we still have lots more that we have to get before we're anywhere close to equality. And don't even listen to those guys talk about what they think they need to get their ball rolling. Right. That's that's what feminism is to me. It's it's there's there are probably. I don't know, 10,000 professional feminists in the United States. Hmm. And you know, they're very good at their jobs. You know, they got the Ford Foundation financing them. They got lots of fundraisers. They're, they're well paid. They're well educated and they're really good at their jobs. And you know, they're great at messaging. And the message basically is women are perfect. Men are scum. That's a little too... You know, anything that's extreme, and this is what we teach in counseling, is anything that extreme is distorted. And so we need to at least meet in the middle somewhere. And that's yeah. going to be better for your mental health if you're going to be able to say not it, not uh, it's mutually exclusive either way. You just can't do that and still have good mental health. You're going to have a lot of anger on both sides. Yes, and that is that is exactly even though what you just said is right, you can't do this. It's what we're doing. I know. It's what we're, it's what we're doing. And well, we're me, doing it with the politics. We're doing it with, uh, I guess, sexuality, yes. which I did not know about. But, but yeah, about like you're right, I'm wrong. And this is, uh, you know, all this and all that and nothing. Yes. So all or nothing thinking, that's one of the cognitive distortions that we as therapists try and uh, dispel and try yes. and help people to uh, get a more balanced view of, of the actual truth. Yes. And I think that another psychological uh, phenomenon is at work here. Uh, you know about the, the shadow, the mm -hmm. Jungian concept of the shadow. Mm -hmm. It's that part of your psyche uh, that really cannot accept certain unpleasant things about itself. And so you, you stuff these unpleasant things about yourself into a shadow and you try to deny them. But the shadow will not be denied. It, it's always going to be at work. Mm -hmm. And the shadow... The feminist shadow always points at the patriarchy because what it's pointing to is a power source, a power structure. The patriarchy, the patriarchy, the patriarchy. If you've got a problem, look over there <clears throat> because they know that <clears throat> women have a lot of power in their shadow that they cannot acknowledge and deny, they cannot acknowledge and accept that, yes, even though I'm a woman I'm, and I'm supposedly so perfect and angelic and loving for all, all manner of living things, 
I can be a greedy bitch sometimes, and I don't want to acknowledge that. So I don't want them looking at my power structure. It's much easier for me to keep focusing on the, the, the male power structure. That way we don't have to think about ours. We don't have to talk about uh, providing compromises or sharing. We can have it all by making sure that those men have as little as possible. And it's mm. just ugly. It's ugly. Yeah, I think about the persona, which is the uh, persona that we project and we, we want people to see about ourselves. So I'd like uh, people to see that I am a very competent, intelligent, um, successful uh, a woman who is also nurturing because I'm in the field of counseling. Um, but what's actually tucked in the shadows is my really want to be safe and protected by a man you know, because that hasn't actually served me before. So those are the reasons why things go into the shadows is because, you know, that's just doesn't like being needy and wanting a man to take care of you just didn't work out for me. Uh, and so that's why these things are put in the shadows is because parts of us are not, it's not actually helpful for us to have those parts. So we shove them away in the shadows and then we have this persona. But as you say, this need does come out in other ways. And they will not. It, they will not be suppressed. These shadows. I love. I just absolutely love Jungian Gestalt uh, stuff like that. Shadows um, are are wonderful to work with in psychotherapy, and especially with the subconscious mind. I just absolutely uh, love it. So the more you acknowledge your shadow, the better off it will be, and it will not be more as intrusive and in coming up in these really awkward places. I have a really big shadow of the fool. So. Um, part of what happened to me was um, I liked having fun when I was a kid, but my dad pretty much shut me up all the time. And when we started to have fun, he yelled at us. And so I learned very quickly to be a very serious person, keep my head down, do what's expected of me. And um, as I've gotten older, I found myself making an absolute ass out of myself. <laughs> and I'm like, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Uh, but it really is the, the all of these years of the suppressed fool or the fun person or the comedic person uh, coming out. And the sooner I was able to recognize and accept that and actually embrace it, um, the more well-rounded my life has become. So that's just a little diversion into shadows so people can actually even add even more complexity to this discussion about yes, um, male sexual expression. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good example. Yeah. Um, one other thing I want to say about this whole uh, women's domain, men's domain thing. I think I have referred to it, but I want to make absolutely clear that there are going to be men who are perfectly happy, 100% in the traditional male domain, and they will be perfectly happy making a woman perfectly happy or helping a woman be perfectly happy 100% in the female domain. So you know, I'm not saying alpha males are bad or wrong or anything. I'm just saying... Expecting every man to be an alpha male is a formula for disaster. And so, you know, just as we provide lots of opportunities for expression and, and, and self-expression and self-fulfillment for girls, we need to do the same thing for boys. And we do not do it yet. And we do not do it well. Perhaps. I mean, I think that there are some venues for for males to express themselves. I guess it depends on what 
what community you live in or what state or whatever, but but uh, I'd like to think that it's improving. And if not, what is it that we as women or females, uh, female identifying uh, persons can can do to help help you guys out? Well, one thing would be to not laugh <laughs> when your friends, you know, make sexist jokes about how clueless men are, mm. for instance, because you know, at base, all of these problems, you could, the, the, the fundamental problem for, for women in 19, the early 1960s was the stereotypes about them. They cry too much. They can't do math. They, you know, they just want to file their nails, all of those things. We had to do a whole lot of work to confront those stereotypes and understand what purpose do those stereotypes serve for the culture and for the people who embrace them. And I would say that men have done a whole lot better job over the past 60 years acknowledging our ideas of superiority over women much better than women have acknowledged their ideas of superiority over men. Yeah, I'll have to think on that as far as, uh, I mean, when you talk about the collective, it's always difficult for me, right? Because then we're making assumptions about the majority of the population and I know what's inside of me, but not necessarily what's out there for sure. Um, but it is something good to keep in mind uh, what our attitudes are toward allowing men the opportunities to um, express themselves in ways uh, that are, I, I, I think, authentic, right? Authentic and, um, and respectful, uh, you know, so we don't want to free the tip. Is that what you're saying? And we're not going to free the tip. And I don't know about free. We're probably not quite ready for freeing the tip just yet. <laughs> okay. Maybe. It's not really part of my destination that I want to get to. Okay. But, well, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, that's the thing is uh, male sexual expression could be the guy that flashed me a couple of times on the way to school. Um, well, male sexual expression could be any number of, uh, you know, unwanted touchings that I received in the Sun Valley Mall when I was a teenager. Um, so uh, that needs to be worked with with as well. And um, and women's attitudes do need to be looked at. I, I actually I absolutely agree. And, and mine, uh, you know, it starts with, with us, right? I can't really do anything except for influence my own self and make my own changes in my own life and how I Wait a uh, second, wait a second. Own. You're a podcaster. You got listeners. Well, I, you know, I like to help them to see other points of view and help them to make their own um, conclusions ab about it be because this, this isn't a subject that causes us a lot of chaos and a lot of people don't think about it on the daily. But when you go into it, it happens all the time, right? This, this dynamic is at play uh, all the time every day. Wow. Well, with that, can we look at your website uh, because this website, we're just going to tour, and I'm going to um, I'm going to have you just um, tell us a little bit about what you got going on here. This is your website. I'm going to go ahead and share the screen, and uh, it's a seat at the table for uh, men and boys. There's your picture over there to the right. And um, you've got the Goodwill Toward Men book here. Anything else you want to say about your website? And uh, boy, what a table. It's a round table with many seats. Yes. 
Um, so it's interesting you call this website, and I and I and I'm sure that's exactly what it is. But in this is on the Medium blogging platform. And so on Medium, this would be called a profile. This is my profile, and it has it shows all of my blog posts. Uh, and I've been doing this for about five weeks now. Uh, the book, Goodwill Toward Men, is being serialized. I'm putting up a chapter every once in a while, perfectly free. Anybody who wants to uh, read the book can read a chapter at a time here as I, as I put them up. Um, I've done about, I think it's 42 posts over the past uh, six, five or six weeks. Um, I love Medium because I haven't been kicked off yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always a good thing, right? <laughs> it's always a good thing. It, and it, it's, it's, not, it's not a comfort. It's not a sense of security I ever got on Facebook. I oh. never got a sense of security on Twitter. But I really think that it's true that Medium will not censor. Now, I have, I have some doubts about it, it being very selective about which posts it will broadcast to the world, to its Medium world of readers to say, hey, you ought to check this out. I don't think that's ever going to happen for me because they would get too much blowback, too much pushback from a lot of their readers who don't want to hear what I have to say. But um, as much as I would like to have that and don't think I'm going to get it, I do very much appreciate how wide open uh, with some you know, very understandable but minimal rules uh, you can be uh, mm. on, on Medium. So, so, my, so my, my profile is at mailfriendlymedia, uh, no hyphens, no spaces, mailfriendlymedia.medium.com. That's where you can see uh, this profile that you're showing now. There we go. And I put website, of course, but it is mailfriendlymedia.medium.com. Perfect. So when you look at your website, I see that you, and you had sent me this one blog post uh, that said about sex, and I'm going to click on that and hope it comes up because um, this dress is a make them suffer mini dress. Very cute, yes. by the way. But make a make them suffer mini dress? Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Click, click the X uh, in that lower half of the, oh. of the screen. There okay. we go. And then scroll to the bottom a little more. Dolls okay. kill. Yeah. See if, see if this will play. <laughs> okay, see let's see. There is audio to it as well. You hear it? Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious me. 
Jackhammer, is that seriously going on outside in this world? And what a lot of chaos for young men and women. Yeah. Well, hey, I've got a video for you. Um, okay. You mind me sharing something for you? This is this is like actually a video that um, that uh, depicts, I think, what I was thinking about in terms of um, male sexual expression and female sexual expression. So let's take a look. Jackhammer. Um, that's why I chose it. <laughs> Very good. I was going to. I was going to call your attention to that. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. I mean, all of the all of the sexual stuff was there, including the jackhammer. Yes. Oh my gosh! And the other thing I wanted to say that comes to my mind when we think about uh, male sexual expression is our friend Russell Brand. Now, I'm telling you, he's in the news lately, but this dude, I mean, he's the epitome of like uh, unapologetically male sexual expression um, all out there with his stuff. And of course, now coming under uh, fire for some alleged uh, uh, crimes against women. But he is, again, I mean, this is his whole persona. And um, he would be somebody to look at as far as uh, also an activist. Uh, I can't find the one with the surfboard. Uh, help me out here. Um, this is definitely maybe a precursor to the surfboard. But you get what I mean. I mean, uh, this guy is um, uh, one of those people that is just, yeah, again, uh, Tidy Whitey's is his thing. And, uh, and if he's walking out in public with them, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, Jack, we are closer to freeing the tip than we thought. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. 
<laughs> you can't look at Well, I can. I mean, if, if people want to do that, great, but just don't aim it in my direction. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how would I, how would I, yeah, aim it at somebody else? <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Is there anything you would like to, oh, you know what? We got to, we got to show everybody your books um, before we leave here. This has been a delightful conversation and, and a fun one too. I, I hope you got yes. most of your, your points across and it's a really good um, idea for people just to keep an open mind. Uh, about men's issues, women's issues, and how we can all come to the table and talk about this stuff authentically and respectfully. So let's go to your um, the book list here on Amazon. And we can see that, boy, uh, Heroes of the Blue Sky Rebellion, you told me a little bit about that. We talked about goodwill toward men. Um, what was the Blue Sky Rebellion again? It's a book for boys and young men. I guessed that it might be 13 to 23 years of age. Okay. Um, a sort of a book that I wish I had been able to read when I was young. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's essentially the idea that although adults and society of large, at large have done a very good job of encouraging girls, making girls believe that they can be and do anything they want, uh, opening up opportunities uh, that were not previously available to them. Society, adults have not done nearly as much along those lines for boys. And I think boys are not stupid and they notice. Mm. How do they deal with that? Depression, suicide, drugs, video games, checking out. Don't that makes like me really sad to hear. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, it is pretty sad when you see how many kids, mostly boys, are killing themselves. It doesn't get much sadder than that. So this book helps them to be able to understand um, how to become a hero? Well, yeah. Um, since since society, parents, grown-ups are not doing it, young men are going to have to do it for themselves. <clears throat> They're going to have to, uh, first of all, sort of try to understand what's going on and then think about some ways to address what's going on and to then actually do it in direct, simple, respectful, helpful ways. Okay, so this is what I wanted to talk This one, this yellow book here, if men have all the power, how come women make the rules? And that is zero on Kindle. Uh, so if you have to get Kindle and some time, you might be able to do that. But what, is that, what does that even mean? When the first book, Goodwill Toward Men, was published in 1994, this is the book of interviews with 22 women, most of whom identified as feminists, who were ready, willing, and able not just to talk about women's disadvantages as women and men's advantages as men, but the other side of that coin, ready, willing, and able to talk about women's advantages as women and men's disadvantages as men. My editor was very excited about this book. Um, the promotional staff, with the exception of a wonderful PR director who got me on the, to the Today Show, uh, the rest of the staff just decided this book was insufficiently femin feminist. They killed it. I spent a year and a half putting this book together. 
spending a lot of money traveling around the country. I did get a small advance, but not enough to, to cover everything I had to do and keep myself alive. Um, they killed the book. And it's mm -hmm. a very helpful, um, positive book. Talking with mm -hmm. women, sort of like the way you and I have been talking about, what, you know, what's really going on here. They killed yeah. it. Well, I was not happy. If men have all the power, how come women make the rules? Because it was the women at the publishing house who made the rules about what books were going to be published and what weren't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the executives at the publishing house were no doubt mostly men. They didn't have all the power. They were afraid to say to their staff, you're going to do this or you're going to get fired. We have a contract to promote this book. I was not happy. So if men have all the power, how come women make the rules? That book, um, it's sort of sad to say, that's been my most popular book, my most successful book. And I think it's because it tells the truth in a very pithy unvarnished, cut-to-the-chase way, hmm. which which men appreciate because they don't get a chance to say much. And so hmm. having a pithy statement that they might be able to use is helpful to them. Wow. Well, thank you for that. And I, I know, so we've talked about the rules and the rules uh, that are in this book are the same rules as, as the rules in uh, the women make in that in that book. So let's just get a little preview of those sort of rules uh, as we close out here. And, and then, yeah, you can decide whether you want to check out that pithy book. Uh, but it does have a lot of female dominance. As you can see, the female uh, always makes the rules. So anytime you see always, it's an extreme, and that's something that you want to be aware of. But um, And then rules are subject to change. No male can possibly know all the rules. If the female suspects that the male knows all the rules, she must immediately change some or all of the rules, and the female is never wrong. And that's just one to five, right? And it goes all the way to, to number 12. And so yes. the rules uh, were, I guess, a flyer on the Executive Women's Bulletin Board in 1990, but they're also in your book, Goodwill Toward Men. And then also the subject of that book, um, if uh, men have all the power, then why do women make all the rules? Right. And, and I want to make it clear that these rules were not written by me. Oh, no, were, no. Yeah, they, they were written by, I think, by a woman, um, but they were endorsed by this executive who placed uh, these rules on her uh, bulletin board. Right. And and I think that that would be a source of laughter, like, oh, yeah, that's so true, you know, uh, and it could be, you know, um, but it is very unbalanced and would be very tough. If that was reality, which I probably in some contexts it is, uh, it would be very hard to exist uh, in that uh, sort of arena if you are a man. So I can completely... Uh, understand that for sure. So visit Jack and his web is not his website, but his blog posts. I, you know, now that I know those are all blog posts, I'm going to read some of them, especially the one on pornography. I really would love to hear what you have to say about that one. Uh, check it out at malefriendlymedia.medium.com for those who are, of you who are listening and those of you who are on YouTube. Uh, you can see Jack here with me having this conversation and the table is in the background. 
Jack, I really appreciate you being here today and hanging out with me on Calming the Chaos podcast. Uh, it's been a hoot. And thanks for also uh, indulging me in some of my uh, ridiculousness. You've, you've been fabulous, Tracy. I really, really honestly, truly, sincerely appreciate how nice and open-minded and willing to, to hear what I, as a man, and maybe somewhat representative of other men, have to say. It's, it's really mm -hmm. been wonderful. Thank you. Yes. And since most of my listeners are female, I'll either go viral or I'll lose most of my subscribers. But hey, I'm willing to do that in order for the message to go out for sure. And I think that the people who really love me will stick with me. Uh, but thank you so much, Jack. It's a pleasure for having you uh, on Calming the Chaos podcast today. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. You can also go to www.calmingthechaospodcast.com to listen to all Calming the Chaos podcast episodes. I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care. Howl at the moon or something like that.